0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Texts is brought to you by the new podcast Anomaly. Vanessa, one of my
1: favorite YouTube holes to go down is, like, role-play fantasy tabletop multiplayer games where I don't really know any of the people playing, but I love watching them have an adventure.
0: Well, Casper, then you would love Anomaly. It's a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land once vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology.
1: I am genuinely going to download this right now. This sounds amazing.
0: (laughs) This podcast combines traits of a great dungeon master and those of a talented meditation guide, weaving tales of fantasy that stretch the imagination while you learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, and relieve stress. This is available now on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. It's Anomaly, spelled with an I-E at the end, and not a Y. Go to S-E-E-K-A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E dot com. That's SeekAnomaly.com to find out more. Chapter 24. Occlumency. Creature, it transpired, had been lurking in the attic. Sirius said he had found him up there, covered in dust, no doubt looking for more relics of the Black family to hide in his cupboard. I'm Vanessa Zoltan.
1: And I'm Kaspatek Kyle,
0: And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Casper, can I tell you about some of the exciting things we have going on at Not Sorry Productions?
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, first of all, we have a publishing crash course with Mackenzie Lee. If you want to learn how to publish, (gasps) Mackenzie is going to walk you through it.
1: I need to take this class.
0: New York Times bestselling author, Mackenzie Lee. Then we have our wonderful, sometimes co-host, Jolie Doggett, leading a journaling workshop called Finding the Right Words About Love and it's gonna be so good. I went over her curriculum with her, and I was like, I wanna take this class.
1: Jolie is extremely talented. Yeah, she's so
0: talented, and I get to TA some of them, so I'm very excited. And we have a group chaplaincy class with the wonderful Taylor Bueller called Showing Up for Trans Kids, which Mm. is for any adult who has a trans kid in their life and wants to think through how to be the most supportive adult that they can be. And last but certainly not least, we have an amazing class called Sense and Sensibility and Fix-It Fick with Margaret H. Willison, where you get to fix the mistakes in Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility. That's right. I said it. I'm brave. You can find out more about all of that at NotSorryWorks.com. And then, of course, we have our Northanger Abbey pilgrimage coming up and our Taylor Swift pilgrimage coming up. And you can find out more about those at ReadingAndWalkingWith.com. And then last announcement, Casper, is that you and I are going to be having our bonus conversation for patrons only. And we are going to talk about awkward Asking of dates or (laughs) dates.
1: Because
0: Cho's not awkward. She's perfect.
1: Oh, Cho is fine. Harry is. Harry needs some help. (laughs) Yep.
0: And you can sign up for that conversation at patreon.com slash Harry Potter sacred text.
1: This week, we're talking about the theme of release. And it's perfectly timed because I just returned from a trip out west to your home coast to release my dear friend, Sue, from our seven-year working together covenant. And what I mean by that is that Sue, myself, and Angie, my two dear co-founders of an organization called Sacred Design Lab, we've worked together for like seven years and have done all sorts of different things. You know how an organization can change and shift and mold over seven years it has been not just a working relationship, but like a friendship working relationship like you and I, right? Like where it's very personal as well as professional in the best way. And so those have been really primary relationships for me. Sue officiated my wedding, you know, it's been a really wonderful experience. And when we started working together, we said, listen, we don't always know what's coming in terms of what we're going to do, but we know how we want to commit to how we're going to be. And so we wrote a little covenant, just like you and I and the rest of the Not Sorry team have as well, where we basically made some commitments about how we wanted to show up in our collaboration. And that's something we've returned to and edited over the years as as we've worked together. And so that's been really a foundation of our collaboration and, and our relationship. And Last year, I made a significant uh, work transition, started a new project, and this year, Sue had the joy of doing the same thing, of, of building a really exciting new project and new organization. And so we wanted to release one another from that covenant that we had created together. And so when the time came, Angie and I said, we're gonna fly out to the West Coast and we want to release each other with Sue from this covenant. And I had never released someone from a covenant before. So I was kind of like little, you know, interested and a little nervous about it and i arrived with crayons and a big roll of paper because my task was to help us tell the story of what we had done together so on our first morning together we laid out the big roll of paper and just reminded each other what had happened every year the weird trips we had taken to research spiritual innovation in japan and dubai and kenya and the gatherings we'd hosted and the reports that we'd written and the people that we'd met and the conflicts that we'd had you know all of it beautiful bad tricky wonderful all of it together the ways in which we'd gotten to know each other's families and so at the end of this like multi-hour storytelling exercise i was like i don't want it to end this is too beautiful but the time came to release each other and Sue and her wife Tandy had put together this beautiful little friendship bracelet with three intertwined pieces of yarn a red one a blue one and a purple one and they were all braided together and then each of us took turns in unbraiding the friendship bracelet and reading a short paragraph where we basically were saying thank you and asking to be released from our covenant from our agreement of how we were going to work together and it was such a simple act, you know, just un, untwisting these these three intertwined pieces of string. But it was so moving because at the end there were three individual pieces of string and each one of us took one home. And Sue at the end revealed that the string had all been part of one piece of string. They were just dyed different colors in different sections. So even though we were releasing each other from the covenant, we were still connected in our relationships and our friendships. And it... It was such an interesting moment for me to think about this theme of release because there was a release, right? There was an ending, but there was also the celebration of what had been. And in our case, a continuation of a new type of relationship, right? We're not going to be working together, but we are friends forever. Uh, And so release doesn't always feel final, I think. And that's what's interesting for me to, to explore. It might mean a change of The context or a change of relationship or something is clearly gone, right? That has been released. But there are other things that can never leave and you might not want to leave behind. And so I want to explore that kind of gray area of even holding on within release to the things that you want to hold on to.
0: I mean, I think anybody who has had a friend move away or a kid leave for college or has left to just like leave their family, right? Right best case scenario is that we move on from each other in some ways. We don't want to be stagnant forever. And yet it's like so sad. And there's a ton of grief to that as well, even when you know you're lucky to go through it. And so I do want to say I got an email from Sue just last week saying, hi work cousin, because we're connected (laughs) through you. I love that so much. Which was so cute. Oh. <laughs> These bonds can be so strong, right? That like I I've never worked with Sue and yet I'm attached to Sue. Oh, that makes and, me weepy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm really interested in this idea Casper that we never really let go. Even if we are releasing someone or something from our lives with a ton of intention and actually want to get rid of it. Yeah. Right? Like we remember, right? right. Like And so I love that you're pointing us to the idea that a release is never entire. It's never complete.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's like you're putting it in a different place. That's the image that I have from what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. There is clearly a difference. And especially, you know, in a different case where you want to get rid of something, right? You want to release something. The lingering memories are then an un- unpleasant thing, right? Like, that that's a very different situation.
0: Well, Casper, I can't wait to, like, hopefully figure out what release is in this conversation with you. But before we do, don't worry, I'm going to remind you what happened in the chapter. Casper, can you please just count me in?
1: 30-second recap for Chapter 24, Book 5, starting in three, two, one.
0: So it's time to go back to Hogwarts. And Harry's actually like, I don't want to go back to Hogwarts for the first time ever. And they get picked up by the night bus and everybody's like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then go back to Hogwarts. And everybody is like, Harry, Harry, when are we going to have the DA meeting? And he's like, I have to have remedial potions with Snape. And everyone's like, you're an idiot. But really, he has to go for occlumency lessons. And Snape is like reading into his mind, including the fact that he had an awkward interaction where he and Cho agreed to go on a date. And uh, Harry hates it. Occlumency terrible.
2: <laughs>
1: Excellent. All right. Will you come in?
0: Yes, my love. On your mark. Get thy set. Go. Two
1: major uh, uh, award-winning insights coming in this 30-second recap. First, Creature knows about Horcruxes. Why else is he gathering all of the Black family heirlooms, if not to like protect the Horcruxes? Insight number two, the two-way mirror that Sirius gives Harry as a way to keep in touch clearly comes from Mundungus. We learn in the text that Mundungus and and Mad-Eye Moody come to say hello for Christmas, and suddenly Sirius has this magical tool, which he could have used before. Big insights from Casper to Kyle. Thank you, and over and out.
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: Award-winning insights, only available when Casper is on the show.
0: (laughs) Is that the Olympic song? Did I do it? The
1: crowd goes wild.
0: Here's your medal.
1: (laughs) So let's dive into the text. And I think we should start with Sirius, because if there's anyone in this series who cannot let go of the past, uh, it's Sirius Black. Until he is let go of.
0: Imagine if he and Snape had a covenant release party.
1: Oh my God. This so boy So much needs therapy. healing
0: would happen. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I really do think... He is captured by the past. I mean, earlier in the chapter, we see Harry be called in to the kitchen and find Sirius and Snape sitting at the at the kitchen table. And a conversation escalates to the point where there are ones out. Harry is kind of standing between them, asking them not to kill each other. And the only thing, you know, that releases them from that situation is the Weasleys walking in and being like, oh, Arthur is cured. Hooray. In pajamas and a Macintosh. But... Serious, <laughs> the way they goad each other, and Snape is just as bad, to be fair. I mean, the meanness, honestly, is delicious. Like, Snape literally says, I know how you like to be involved, <laughs> which is just so
0: cruel. Because you're
1: not. <laughs> they, they are stuck in this pattern of behavior that obviously James is dead. Remus is totally moved on, right? Like, he is not getting caught up in this pattern. He's falling in love. He's also part werewolf. So, you know, but they're stuck. And like, what do you actually think would be possible if they were able to release that animosity to each other?
0: I mean, they would be able to be allies to each other, right? They are on the same team, but they hate each other. What they need is a coach, in my opinion, Mm, right? mm. I do feel like a coach will tell two people who hate each other, you're on the same side, And so I think that this is an opportunity for Dumbledore to come in and be like, the two of you need to talk about this until you can let go of some of this stuff from the past. Because let's remember, like, you are on the same side.
1: But that's, I think, part of the problem is that Sirius does not believe that is true. He literally says, Dumbledore thinks you're on our team. I know better. And like, unless he believes that, this is not going to work, right?
0: Sure, But there needs to be an attempt. I guess I do believe that 99% of the time – an honest, sometimes mediated conversation Hmm. can at least create some sense of release from a tense situation. Because if you're not talking about it, you just start assuming bad intentions. It can create a sense of paranoia. We all know this, right? Like we are our own worst enemies when we are isolated. These are two men who are completely isolated, even when they are surrounded by other people. So true. And so of course they're building Themselves up, and so I don't know. I do think if a leader stepped in here and was like, "Serious, I have evidence that Snape is on our side. You're gonna have to believe me." Snape, Sirius has grown, and let's all remember, spent 15 years in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Maybe let's have some compassion for him, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I do think what they need is reminders from an authority and like i sometimes you really do need an authority figure to come in and help mediate these situations
1: i think that's so smart and you're also pointing to maybe one of the reasons why they are holding on to this dynamic because they're isolated in so much of the rest of their lives. And so I was I was joking about Lupin before, but the fact that he has other meaningful relationships means that the intensity of the conflict with, you know, he, he doesn't like Snape, but it's right. not the center of his universe narrative identity in a way that it still is for Sirius, because all he has is creature to, like, right. you know, hate on. So there is this intensity to that dynamic that isn't true anymore for the rest of the, you know, people their age.
0: Sometimes I'll hear someone complain, like, let, let's let say they're complaining about me to me. And I'm like, I actually think that's a conversation you should have with a friend about me. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't do anything wrong. You just don't like this about me. And like, <laughs> please go complain to your spouse behind my back, right? Like, <laughs> seriously, don't you ever feel that way? Oh, Where it's totally. like I'm like, don't bring that here. I can't change that. So like, I, you know, unless it's feedback like you hurt my feelings in this way, I want you to know, right? Like there are absolutely productive conversations that people should bring to you. But I do think community helps us be in relationship with others. Mm -hmm. And Sirius and Snape have no one to process this with. Yeah. So if Sirius had someone to talk to and was like, oh my God, Snape is driving me up the wall... And that friend was like, maybe he's evolved since high school, right? Just like gentle nudging. Like it can unlock you or release you from these horrible patterns that we all get into by ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I think I I saw this read through of the chapter, how serious that intensity is. Like I see a direct connection between the goading around cowardice in this chapter and serious going out to the ministry in a way that maybe I I just hadn't appreciated the fullness of that relational dynamic driving him to such foolishness. I always thought it was more about Harry, but I think a lot of it is about Snape. And so this inability or unwillingness to release the past, I think kills him.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it even kills him insofar as Harry can't trust him to be mature, right?
1: Wow.
3: Yeah.
0: Harry is like, Sirius cannot let go of this idea that he's trapped here. He will do reckless things. And so I have to take care of him. So Mm. there's this moment where Sirius gives Harry a gift and says, this is a way for you to directly communicate with me, Harry. Don't open it now. But if Snape starts giving you a hard time, you can use this. And Harry is like, I'm never going to open this because I'm never going to communicate with Sirius because he is not thinking calmly and rationally about the situation. And so I have to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And we know that later, this would have been a direct communication tool between the two of them. And Harry would have been able to look and see that Sirius was fine and therefore not go to the ministry, right? Like this kills Sirius. And it really is about release. If Sirius could just let this go, right? Like if Sirius could just be situated in the place that he is in, Harry would trust him And like, Sirius would be alive.
1: I'm also just seeing the connection between Sirius and Creature. Like, we look at Creature as this past-obsessed, like, collecting these evidence pieces of the family Black's, you know, greatness. But Sirius is, too, like, stalking around this house, you know, obsessed with the past, can't let things go. You know, for him, it's less about these physical tokens and and more about, like, holding on to these grudges or holding on to this, this way of looking in the world. But, I, yeah, I'm seeing this character connection between Creature and Sirius, too.
0: Oh my God, I had never thought of that. And that is so smart. These are two like deeply traumatized people who cannot let go of the past. Right. Oh, wow. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend.
2: Hi listeners, this is Naomi Westwater. You may know me from my previous classes at Not Sorry. I'm dropping into your feed today to let you know about an upcoming course I'm running starting March 17th called Creating Daily Ritual, Tarot as a Sacred Practice. In this course, I will teach you about the history and meaning of the cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck and model how they can be used as a tool for self-reflection and creativity. Through lecture, discussion with your classmates and solo journaling, I will aim to help you develop your individual connection with tarot, this ancient tool for meaning making. If you're looking to elevate your daily ritual, please join me starting Sunday evening, March 17th, for six weeks of habit building, learning, and community. Head to NotSorryWorks.com for more information and be sure to check out our sliding scale pricing and scholarships listed on the website. That's NotSorryWorks.com.
0: I mean, the obvious place where we have to go next, though, Casper, is occlumency, Mm. right? Because the whole reason why Snape is, in theory, trying to teach Harry occlumency is trying to teach Harry a way to release himself from this bond that he has with Voldemort. Let's use the word
1: teach sparingly.
0: (laughs) 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 But, right, like this is... A connection that the two of them have that Harry cannot get out of. I don't know. I can like, it kind of feels like a parent being like, hey, kids, to your separate corners. Right. Right. And like Voldemort, one of the kids wants to be left alone. But Voldemort keeps like throwing paper airplanes at Harry. <laughs> and Snape is like, Harry, ignore it. You got to be the bigger person here. And this is like the thing that I think we all know that if we meditated more, we'd be able to do, right? Mm. Like, which is essentially what Snape is trying to teach Harry, right? Like, be present, be in your body, clear your mind. But like, we all know if we were more centered in ourselves, when other people behaved a certain way, we'd be able to be like, no, that's your stuff. Like a version of occlumency. And so I do think that if we could be more centered. We could release ourselves from a lot of negative things in the world, comma, Vanessa. <laughs>
1: but I I was frustrated, really frustrated with Snape in, on this reading because, the, I mean, obviously it's Snape, so we're always going to be annoyed. But the, the way in which he's trying to teach some of that releasing skill is so unhelpful. He's just like, clear your mind. <laughs> Meditate. Yes.
0: Meditate!
1: It's like a bad, bad meditation YouTube teacher where you're just like, I'm not getting anything from this. Like, so one of the things, you know, I wish was in the text that Snape was able to communicate is often it's less about releasing thoughts and more about focusing thoughts, right? Pay attention Mm. to your breath. Pay attention to your posture and then just keep coming back to it. that That's the, the essence of a mindfulness practice is just keep bringing your mind back to something. And instead of saying release all thoughts and like focus on <laughs> nothing, like that—that that, that's basically impossible. But what it also revealed to me was that often the most gifted, you know, naturally talented people are actually the worst teachers because they don't know how to do this. It j- right. They just can and I think that's true of Snape in this situation. He is such a skilled legilimens. This also helped me understand how he's able to be in Voldemort's presence without being discovered, because he's basically able to hide all his own memories that are the truth. Right? Like he's able to live in this character that he's created. But you know, we don't we don't know anything about his biography of how he's learned this. Maybe he was born with it. Maybe it's occlumency. Um, like it's just it's just part of who he is. You know what's so interesting as we look at Snape in this context is how different Harry is in his leadership of the DA. And mm. so, you know, as as we see the kind of isolation and the lack of explanation that Snape is giving Harry, Harry is a natural teacher. Like, his ability to communicate and teach students who you know, are not necessarily as talented as he is in some of the charms and jinxes and all the things that he's teaching, even just the fact that he's encouraging and that he's paying attention, like that unlocks a confidence and a capacity in his students that we never see in Snape's classroom.
0: Yeah, I think that this just like really points to the necessity of community to mm. release you from mm. something, right? Like someone needs to intervene here. Like, sometimes two of you just can't figure it out by yourselves, like, truly. And you need a third person to come in and unlock it and release you, right? Like, I think two people can often just, like, keep running the same rat maze over and over and over again. I'm just thinking about my two wonderful stepdaughters. They will just get into, (laughs) you know, a place where, like, they have resorted to name-calling and like, and that's it, right? Like, nothing is going to interrupt it. And like, someone needs to come in and be like, can you all please just remind each other that you also love each other, right? Like, anything. Or like, can you please go to separate rooms for a little while? Some sort of like pebble in a shoe needs to happen in order to step out of this moment.
1: Yeah. One person who has that on tap is Ron because <laughs> <laughs> he. This chapter has a couple of moments where Ron is just released from any sort of like responsibility to think things through, have good ideas, know what he's having for breakfast, know what breakfast is, because Hermione (laughs) is just always around to know.
0: (laughs) Ron in this chapter made me be like, I understand why people join cults. (laughs) There is a moment where Ron (laughs) goes up to Harry. And Harry is, like, completely melting down post-Occlumency lesson. And Ron goes up to their dorm room and is like, hi, Hermione told me to come check on you. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that was the right thing for you to do. Oh, my God, I would follow Hermione as a cult leader. Like, imagine having someone who, like, really knows how to be a good person and be like, Casper, now go do this. I was like, you – I I get it. You are released from all decision-making, and are like sure that you're doing the best possible thing because someone smarter and more thoughtful than you has already thought about it for you. Yes, Ron, good (laughs) for you. (laughs) I want this.
1: It even happens earlier in the chapter when Harry's like, I have to have occlumency lessons. And Ron's like, oh, darn, that sounds hard. I hate Snape. -er." I would rather have nightmares
0: than hang out with Snape.
1: Exactly. And Hermione's like, oh, that makes sense because you're being attacked in your brain by an evil dark lord. And And then Ron is like, oh, yes. Oh, good point. Yeah. So, Vanessa, for this week's spiritual practice, we are going to do Sacred Imagination. And I have a passage here from Harry in Snape's office. And I want you to be in the scene. You can be either Snape or Harry or maybe a portrait on the wall or some other (laughs) magical creature that we don't know about. And if it's safe to, if you're at home, if you want to close your eyes and uh, clear your mind as snape would say uh, <laughs> and just notice what stands out to you in this reading and and what might be happening that we haven't seen before on the page here we go i am about to attempt to break into your mind said snape softly we are going to see how well you resist i have been told that you have already shown aptitude at resisting the imperious curse you will find that similar powers are needed for this brace yourself now Legitimense. Snape had struck Harry before he was ready, before he had even begun to summon any force of resistance. The office swam in front of his eyes and vanished. Image after image was racing through his mind like a flickering film, so vivid it blinded him to his surroundings. He was five, watching Dudley riding a new red bicycle, and his heart was bursting with jealousy. He was nine and Ripper the bulldog was chasing him up a tree and the Dursleys were laughing below on the lawn. He was sitting under the sorting hat and it was telling him he would do well in Slytherin. Hermione was lying in a hospital wing, her face covered with thick black hair. A hundred Dementors were closing in on him beside the dark lake. Cho Chang was drawing nearer to him under the mistletoe. No, said a voice inside Harry's head as the memory of Cho drew nearer. You're not watching that. You're not watching it. It's private. He felt a sharp pain in his knee. Snape's office had come back into view, and he realized that he had fallen on the floor. One of his knees had collided painfully with the leg of Snape's desk. He looked up at Snape, who had lowered his wand and was rubbing his wrist. There was an angry wheel there, like a scorch mark. Did you mean to produce a stinging hex? asked Snape coolly. No. No, said Harry bitterly, getting up from the floor.
0: Oh, it was very cold.
1: Like physically cold, like chilly? Yes. Yeah. Ooh. I was
0: I was very cold. And the thing it most reminded me of was like being in a doctor's office where you're oh, yeah. like, I'm in this gown and embarrassed and I don't know what you're doing and I don't know what information you're getting and I don't know what you think this might be. And like that like anger and like humiliation and- like antiseptic smelling cold, right? Cause they're like in the dungeon. And I'm trying to think, cause like I simultaneously was like out of breath and confused. I felt like my chest hurt and my head hurt. I was like, "Ah!" what is my feeling? Mm. I was like, I am uncomfortable and I don't know what's Mm. going on. And I'm mad about it.
1: A hundred percent. That I felt so betrayed. Like I think I was Harry, you know, not surprisingly and he like first of all he feels ambushed right because the, the, he doesn't expect the legilimens the moment it comes and then this sense of like yeah like intimate like i felt violated i was like confused angry embarrassed like ashamed and then also even when you know when snape says like D- did you mean to produce the stinging i felt betrayed by my own body i'm like what did i do i didn't even know that i did that <laughs> just feeling so helpless isolated like stupid or foolish like I, I i'm not in control in any way poor harry
0: poor harry and like it's just, you just feel so unsafe right like this is in theory i don't know i don't like i just sound like the you know, most rainbowy youth pastor. But like in a perfect world, like Snape sits down at a desk and like talks to Harry and is like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And this is what you're about to experience. And this is why, right? Like, just like a good doctor, right? Like I'm looking for this and this. And so now I'm, a, you're about to feel some pressure. And right, like there are ways to make things like this less scary. And I mean, Snape just has like no motivation to do that for Harry.
1: Do you think Snape wants to humiliate him? Like, is that part of what's going on here?
0: I don't think so. I think Snape just doesn't care if he humiliates him, right? He's just like, it's like Mm. teaching a kid how to swim by pushing them in the pool. It's like, Mm. I don't care about being Mm. patient with you. I'm not going to sit here and convince you to like, put your face in and blow bubbles. Like, I used to be a swim instructor to kids. That is a lot of the first week of teaching a kid to swim is like, Hold on to the edge of the pool and put your face in and blow bubbles and look how fun it is. But like he doesn't care. So he's just pushing Harry into the pool and is like, oh, is it cold? I didn't test it. Right. (laughs) And so I just think it's like I've been given a task. It's an annoying task to me. I see how it's necessary that you know how to swim because otherwise you'll drown. Let's go.
1: Well, that was the other part. Was like the physicality of this passage, right? Harry falls; he hits his knee. That would be another thing that you'd want to set up is like some, like some safe environment in which to have like a physical, you know, like fall over without. Yeah, it being why aren't painful. they in
0: the room of requirement? A hundred percent, where pillows can just appear,
1: and, may, and maybe to give some grace to Snape. Right? They're having to pretend this is remedial potions. If Umbridge found out what was going on, right? Like, there are real consequences to Snape here as well. But at the same time, there are things he could do to soften the blow, literally, in, in this room. But it also reminds me of, I went through this, so you have to go through it. Like, right. I, I have to withstand Voldemort, you know, every time I'm in his presence. And so, like, you're going to learn the hard way, too. You'll no will fine. No one, yeah, exactly. No one taught me, I'm going to haze you just like I was hazed, because that's kind of what we do, you know?
0: Yeah. It's also, I like, again, not to over-identify with Snape, but that moment of frustration where you're just like, you just got to do the thing. Right? And like, that is something I remember choosing to not get frustrated when I was a swim instructor, because I was like, it's a half hour lesson, time is gonna pass. And if I don't convince you to do this, I don't convince you to do it. I wasn't like, you have to learn how to swim. I was like, I have to try for half an hour. But I do think when it feels high stakes and you're like, you just have to learn this, there is that desire to be like, I'm just going to shove it in your brain. I'm just going to take your hand and do the math homework, Yeah, right? Like, that that can be so frustrating. And yeah, these are not the ideal circumstances. Hmm. This week's voicemail is from Ian
3: hello vanessa matt and the sacred text team my name is ian i just listened to your uh episode on book four chapter 16 which you read through maturity and i thoroughly enjoyed um matt's uh, blessing at the end of the episode and vanessa's giggles that went along with it Um, i am a huge fan of having traditions and just before your blessings today as I was listening, I was thinking about poor Polyakov and Casper's near obsession with this student and just missing those silly but sincere blessings. And so I just want to uh, pour out a plethora of blessings, first of all, for our dear Polyakov, our dear, poor, overlooked Polyakov. But also, I want to bless the tellers and the receivers of inside jokes, the originators and continuers of tradition, and just your whole team for everything that you do. Your podcast means so much to me, and it has just been so much fun these last years listening to you, all of you, uh, take on the task of reading these books in a sacred way. Thank you so much for all that you do.
0: Oh, Ian. Ian, it is the eighth anniversary of us recording the sample episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text that we sent around to all of our friends for feedback. So you're really hitting this beautiful, beautiful blessing at a surreal moment where I'm like, oh my God, we've been doing this for as long as Obama was president. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, to, like two winter olympics you know like a lot of things and so ian thank you is so touching and it's wild casper that we've been doing this for so long
1: that is really special i i'm so touched by your message and thank you and thank you to everyone who's been listening kind of from the beginning it feels like a real adventure together and listen polyakov is somewhere dribbling food down his roads right now <laughs> wanting more vine <laughs> It's time for us to remember members of our community who have been loved and lost. This week, we remember Norma Battersby, 92, an amiable grandma who thrived in her later years. Sally Fail, 93, a badass mother of six. And Eileen Hildy Troxell, 89, a Grammy, caretaker, and lifelong learner. May their memory be a blessing. Vanessa, it's time for us to share our blessings from this chapter. Who would you like to bless?
0: I want to bless Sirius. Because he's very mm. annoying. Mm. <laughs> But FOMO is so real. He's just a victim again and again. He was wrongfully arrested and imprisoned and now he is like still being imprisoned. And I can just imagine feeling like I cannot believe that this is how I am spending my life, Mm. right? Like the years are ticking by and this is what I am doing. And so as much as I'm like, Sirius, let go, embrace, start knitting, make the best of it, like I can just really imagine the like rage in this Mm, mm. and I just wanna acknowledge like how hard this must be for him. So a blessing for Sirius. What about you, Casper?
1: Beautiful. I wanna bless Stan's Sean Pike And it's a little bit jokey, but like also not. I mean, we see, you know, students, the household return to Hogwarts on the night bus. It's awful. I mean, awful. We're told that like chairs are falling over. Someone has spilt their entire shopping bags of frog spawn and custard cream biscuits that people are, someone is being sick. Like it, it, this is not a pleasant experience. And like Fair enough, you might need to use it to get from A to B. And literally, Tonks bribes them to get the kids (laughs) to Hogwarts faster. But Stan and Ernie, like, have to be on this gosh darn bus, (laughs) like, all day, every day. And I just suddenly had so much empathy of like wow you must have the, the strongest medication to stop like travel <laughs> sickness maybe there's some magical thing in which case why isn't everyone having it but otherwise <laughs> you're just feeling rotten all day just for anyone who's struggling with like travel sickness or seasickness or you know just yeah. like your body not being able to withstand what you're having to do especially if it's for your job i just a blessing for you a blessing for stern
0: Casper, next week, we are going to be reading Book 5, Chapter 25, The Beetle at Bay, through the theme of attention with special guest Hope Rehack, and I'm so excited. This has been Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. You can hear ad-free episodes on Apple Podcasts or through our Patreon, which you can sign up for at patreon.com slash Text. This was a Not Sorry production. We are a feminist production company. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and me, Vanessa Zoltan. We are edited and produced by AJ Uramas. Our music is by Ivan Paizow and Nick Bull, and we are distributed by ACAST. A special thanks to Ian for his beautiful voicemail this week, and to Ariana Nettleman, Julia Argy, Margaret H. Wilson, Nikki Zoltan, Hannah Rehack, Matt Potts, Courtney Brown, and Natalie Folkerts, Stephanie Paulsell, and everyone who sent in the names of their loved ones. And of course, a special thanks to Casper Turk Kyle for co-hosting with me this week.
1: Thanks, love.
0: Thanks, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week.
1: Bye, everyone.
0: You can join Margaret H. Willison and I in Bath for a Northanger Abbey pilgrimage. And you can find out more about that at ReadingAndWalkingWith.com.
1: Is it Bath or Bath?
0: It's (laughs) Bath.